Section 3 of Understanding English Cathedrals by Esther Singleton and Others. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 3. Pratt. Characteristics of Architectural Styles. Six different styles of architecture are represented in the cathedrals of England. The Saxon, the Norman, the three forms of Gothic, viz. the Early English, the Decorated, and the Perpendicular, and the Renaissance. Of the Saxon, no remains exist in situ, above ground, in any English cathedral. The crypt at Ripon, some balustrades introduced into the later Norman transept at St. Albans, and similar work in the slype at Worcester, are all the examples that can be named, though many small churches are rich in such curiosities. Of the Renaissance style, St. Paul's is the only complete example. The dates of the intervening styles are usually given as below, but it must be remembered that following each there was a long or a short period of transition in which the characteristics of the departing and the approaching styles were in use together. Norman, in use from a few years before 1066 to 1189 early english gothic eleven eighty nine to twelve seventy two decorated gothic twelve seventy two to thirteen seventy seven perpendicular gothic thirteen seventy seven to fifteen forty six and even later the norman style called also the romanesque was introduced into england by edward the confessor a few years before the conquest in 1066 this king had already completed the norman westminster abbey some portions of which remain today in good preservation the norman conquest of england brought in its train a great number of norman-bred ecclesiastics who either rebuilt or else built de novo a magnificent series of churches which are today despite many devastations and restorations the chief medieval art treasures of the british isles the click of the chisel and blow of the hammer rang everywhere in the ears of the eleventh century in england Note. Among various causes assigned for this unusual activity in church-building may be named the remorse of William the Conqueror for the cruelties committed in the conquered land, gratitude of the nations in general because of the long-prophesied destruction of the world in the year 1000 had not come to pass, and the Norman fondness for fine architecture which they found lacking in the new country. On the continent, art had advanced at a pace unknown in this island, and the plain structures scattered over the land must have seemed very rude in the eyes of the prelates who came in the victor's train. Edward the Confessor, with his Norman predilections, had no doubt accustomed his courtiers to some aspects of foreign art, and through his influence the so-called Norman architecture preceded the Normans to this country, but instances were few, and chiefly in the south. End note. Among the Norman builders of the period may be noticed Warlvast, the conqueror's nephew at Exeter, Wacklin, a relative of the conqueror at Winchester, and his brother Prior Simeon at Ely. 
serlo of avanches the conqueror's chaplain at chester the piedmontese but norman-bred anselm and the italian-born lanfranc from the same monastery at canterbury paul of cannes a relative of lanfranc at st albans gundulf a close friend of anselm and lanfranc at rochester richard of beck anselm's chaplain at chester herbert of losigna at norwich remigius almoner of Faycamp at lincoln and ralph flambard at durham characteristics of the norman style in general massive heavy plain bold solid majestic restful sometimes sombre very much richer in the later than in the early period plan the nave very long as at winchester and st albans occupying by far the greater portion of the entire length of the church and the width of the aisles as great as possible conditioned only by the length of the tie-beams by which they were spanned even when vaulting came into general use the romanesque widths were not exceeded bond the norman naves of gloucester and peterborough take a span of thirty-five feet a width rarely exceeded in the gothic period choir short but the ritual choir often encroached upon the long nave and included the crossing bay as at norwich and st albans the principal arcade of the body of all large churches in three stories or stages the main arcade the triforium and the clerestory the exterior of the church in two three or even four horizontal divisions separated by string courses apsidal chapels project eastward from the transept usually one from each bay but sometimes an eastern aisle takes the place of the chapels semicircular apses terminate the east end of nearly all large churches until the middle of the twelfth century eastern transepts rare Choir aisles terminate at the east in apses parallel to, but not of equal size with, the central apse, or else the aisle is continuous around the apse, as in Canterbury Crypt and in Gloucester Triforium, forming a procession path. From this aisle, chapels sometimes project, as at Norwich. Masonry thick strong substantial the walls sometimes as much as seven feet thick stones usually small or of medium size perhaps on account of the difficulty of transportation but larger in later works joints in early work very wide sometimes over an inch this is a good test of date mortar badly mixed yellow containing but little lime rough rubble often faced with ashlar the building stone of the district commonly used and usually better adapted to the rougher early work than to the finished carving of the later period the tool chiefly employed was the norman axe but william of sens introduced the chisel in his work at canterbury in eleven seventy four and the late norman mason used a drill for working out his undercut carvings vaults high with either a flat timber ceiling having no relation to the structure of the clerestory or else a stone ceiling semicircular or wagon-headed or else a quadripartite vault groined and in early date without ribs 
at a later period ribs used the cross ribs square clumsy and heavily moulded while the diagonal ribs were rounded and more graceful windows few small placed high to avoid draughts single deeply splayed internally as in edward the confessor's sub-vault at westminster abbey in gothic churches the voids preponderated over the solids in a romanesque church it was the reverse the buildings were almost wholly solid bond walls often arcaded under the windows doorways deeply recessed and in late work enriched with ornamental mouldings capitals and carved groups in the tympanum these doorways are often preserved in a church where all other norman work has been destroyed piers usually heavy massive cylindrical columns or else compound piers in rectangular masses having rounded shafts clustered about a central column sometimes octagons or rounds alternating with octagons in the same arcade or rounds alternating with compound piers as at durham and norwich where the heavy columns are alternately plain and incised or channelled with spirals and other designs in the case of a compound pier the best examples show a separate column or shaft for each order of the arch mouldings arches semicircular or horseshoe shaped or stilted in early work plainly moulded in rounds and hollows often painted in tempera as at st albans later enriched with chevron and other norman ornaments capitals very varied in the early period usually in the shape of cubical blocks rounded off at the base or else chiselled into cushion or cone shapes many reminders of corinthian and composite capitals in late work enriched with pelleted interlacing bands and great variety of grotesque animal and human figures a bacchus square-edged and either octagonal or circular the lower edge moulded bases in early work simply moulded little attention being paid to them plinth either square or rectangular sometimes a small ornament called a griff or paw consisting of a small animal or a bit of foliage is found on the base at the angles of the plinth as at rochester a fashion which continued into the gothic period at a later date a variety of bases in use but the plain attic vase having a flattened lower roll common mouldings large and heavy and early work later gracefully enriched with zigzag or chevron nail-head billet round or square pellet chain cable or rose string courses of ornamental mouldings freely used to relieve blank wall spaces both on the exterior and interior walls towers low and massive usually three a large central tower and two western towers flanking the central gable of the west front but at exeter a pair on each of the norman transepts upper stages and sometimes the lower ornamented with arcading in a variety of large and small arches turrets tall often cylindrical shafts having conical spirillets buttresses 
wide flat shallow pilasters of little use but their support not needed the heavy walls not as yet weakened by windows as in the next period commonly in a single stage finished by a slope under the cornice and occasionally divided into stages by a string course parapets plain resting on a projecting corbel table of grotesque or else plainly moulded roofs steep in pitch the transition period between the norman and the gothic periods shows interesting combinations of round and pointed arches norman columns combined with early english capitals and other indications of the approaching change the gothic period of architecture in england has been divided into three eras or stages of development called as has been said the early english the decorated and the perpendicular the entire period covering the years between the close of the twelfth century and the middle of the sixteenth though the latest form of gothic was practically in use for nearly a century later note the word gothic is said to have been first applied to architecture as an expression of contempt by sir christopher wren the architect of st paul's and by the diarist evelyn at about the same time the close of the seventeenth century when the renaissance architecture was absorbing public attention and its votaries were fond of decrying that which had preceded it End note. classification previous to the first decade of the nineteenth century no attempt had been made to discriminate between the different styles of gothic architecture in eighteen o five miller had employed the term early english in writing of thirteenth-century architecture britain two years later used the word decorated in connection with the ornate style of the fourteenth century but it remained for Rickman, seventeen seventy six to eighteen forty one, to elucidate the true characteristic of the architecture of this period and to arrange them in orderly and intelligible sequence. Note Thomas Rickman was a young man of Quaker parentage who, while studying medicine and later, while acting as clerk in a Liverpool insurance office, occupied his leisure in visiting and sketching all the cathedral and other churches in his vicinity. He is said to have minutely examined more than 3,500 medieval buildings. In 1817, he published a modest little tract on the different architectural styles from the Conquest to the Reformation, and this, with subsequent substantial editions, is the basis of all books since written in the English language on this subject. It seems doubtful, so carefully were the original observations made, if its value will ever be impaired by a simple and easy classification says ferguson he reduced to order what before was chaos to most minds and by elevating the study of an art to a science he not only appealed to the best class of minds but gave an importance and an interest to the study which it did not possess till the publication of his work mr parker the able oxford antiquarian gives this testimony to the value of Rickman's work, 
notwithstanding numerous works on gothic architecture which have appeared within the last few years it is surprising to observe how very little real information has been added to that which mr rickman collected and digested for thoroughness and accuracy of observation he has no equal and his conclusions based on actual extensive study of gothic buildings are of such value that they can never be superseded End note. rickman divided the architecture of the thirteenth fourteenth and fifteenth centuries into three periods corresponding broadly to each century as follows early english eleven eighty nine to twelve seventy two decorated 1272 to 1377 perpendicular 1377 to 1546 early english gothic 1189 to 1272 the general characteristics of this style are increased height of buildings and vaults with lightness grace elegance and dignity probably shares with the best period of greek architecture the honor of being the most perfect form of building that the world has ever seen its arches and columns satisfying by their beautiful proportions its enrichment simple yet exceedingly graceful and well adapted to that which it adorns it departed widely from the heavy massive construction of the norman and is almost equally removed from the profusely ornamented style of the following period the sentiment of the best early english gothic church architecture is that of religious aspiration the true ideal of a church building style the earliest examples of the style are somewhat heavy resembling the late norman from which they emerged but later the work becomes light and delicate without losing strength as did the perpendicular gothic plan three stories still appear in the main portions of the buildings the triforium a prominent feature of the style and often much enriched as at westminster abbey semicircular apses no longer used in england though long continuing in favour on the continent choir or eastern transepts introduced in large buildings transepts often have an eastern aisle in place of the norman apsidal chapels the nave tending to contraction in length the choir longer and enriched with lady chapels and other chapels or chantries arches always pointed in the fully developed style but of varied outline the sharp lancet the equilateral and the drop arch all being in use trefoiled and sank foiled arches appear especially in small arcades all arches recessed or divided into orders commonly three triforium arches subdivided and sometimes a third division is seen in rich examples spandrels ornamented with small foliage designs which when pierced entirely through the thickness of the masonry form plate tracery a forerunner of that elaborate window tracery so popular in the decorated period mouldings very striking in alternate rounds and hollows less coarse than in the preceding period often deeply undercut producing artistic effects of light and shade the roll moulding prominent but deep hollows predominate a reminiscence of the sombre norman 
while deep rounds are a feature of the next century architecture in general it may be said that the concave predominates in the early english the convex in the decorated paley hood mouldings are common and rest on small bosses piers slender often in large clusters of four or eight small round shafts set around a central column from which at this but at no other period they are wholly detached purbeck marble freely used for piers in combination with light stone when too profusely used as at salisbury produces a gloomy effect rings of stone copper or bronze used to band the pier clusters a distinguishing feature of the period not appearing in the late gothic capitals usually shaped like an inverted bell and either simply moulded or else enriched with the peculiarly graceful foliage which resembles nothing so much as celery tops though no doubt derived from the greek anthemium this foliage seems to grow out from the necking of the capital and is deeply undercut forming the most graceful and pleasing capitals of the entire gothic period readily distinguished from capitals of the fourteenth century by the conventional character of the foliage and its upright position the decorated capital having foliage encircling it in wreath shape the peculiar early english foliage is sometimes called the triple leaf the stems are often flat and strap-shaped the leaves sometimes in two rows and bulbous sometimes divided down to the central stem and each leaflet in itself divided into three the head curls gracefully downward often over the neck of the capital sometimes the foliage is so deeply undercut that only the stalks and edges of the leaves connect it with the body of the capital bases increase in height and though still resembling the attic base a more prominent feature than heretofore the most usual form consists of a square plinth on which rests the moulding consisting of two small rounds enclosing a hollow which from the fact that it could hold water is called the water mould and is seen at no other period vaulting fully ribbed at the groins and usually quadripartite but sometimes the severy is divided into six cells and the vault is then called sexpartite the ribs are placed in two sets diagonally and transversely as in the preceding period bosses when used small and elegant ribs moulded in deep rounds and hollows often enriched with toothed ornament vaulting shafts usually in triple clusters rising from the pavement in front of the main pier or else springing from a corbel above the pier the shaft usually terminates in a rich capital just below the string of the clerestory the mouldings of the string then forming the moulding of the capital windows usually lofty sharply arched and of slender proportions in early examples set singly but later three four or five are grouped under a single large containing arch the central window usually highest the spandrels often pierced with tracery designs which when extending through the masonry form what is called plate tracery 
the forerunner of the elaborately ornamented window heads of the succeeding periods when the windows are arranged in groups the space between them is often so narrow as to suggest the mullions of the later gothic doorways deeply recessed often double typifying the entrance into judgment of the good and the bad Durandus. the central shaft separating the two doors ornamented with tracery or a statue numerous mouldings in door and window jams detached shafts often similarly used ornaments fewer than in the preceding and following styles the architect depending for effect on beauty of line rather than ornamental detail the toothed ornament or dog-toothed a development of the norman nail-head vide glossary freely used and in a variety of designs included pierced fluted small and large continuous as on a moulding or detached crockets first appear in this period so named from their resemblance to the crook of a shepherd's or a bishop's staff buttresses prominent features of the exterior of buildings often rising to the slope of the roof and terminating sharply in pointed gables or pediments very large and prominent and of bold projection adding much to the general effect of the exterior they are distinctively for use as well as ornament having to resist the lateral outward pressure of the pointed vault within at the angles of the building usually set in pairs but not as yet diagonally they are divided into stages or set-offs and terminate in a pyramidal cap or a plain pinnacle flying buttresses introduced at this period but not yet in general use spires perhaps suggested by the lofty norman pinnacles often added to towers porches loftier and larger and often with an upper room or pervis parapets generally plain but battlemented parapets introduced at this time and continue throughout the gothic period the earliest example of gothic work in england is usually said to be the choir of bishop hugh at lincoln the choir of canterbury being transitional st hugh's work is dated eleven ninety two to twelve hundred but de lucy's presbytery at winchester and at Deschelles' fragmentary porch at st albans are of nearly if not quite the same date and are much superior to the lincoln work in elegance and completeness of design the most important example of the early english gothic is salisbury cathedral built entirely from its foundations twelve sixteen to twelve seventy two but by far the most beautiful example of fine workmanship of this period is to be found in the six bays of ely presbytery twelve thirty five to twelve fifty one which are not equalled in england or elsewhere for elegance and grace and for the true charm and spirit of this most delightful of all the gothic ways of building the few remains of Deschelles' work are exquisite and were doubtless superior even to that of northold at ely but unhappily they are only fragments of work begun but never completed and now in ruins the early english work of wells nave and choir is a close rival to this at ely and is of early date other important examples are the west front of peterborough the nave of lincoln and the choir and transept of westminster abbey 
the decorated Gothic, 1272-1377, the most ornate and splendid of the Gothic styles, and usually called the most perfect. Ornament so profusely used that beauty of outline is lost sight of in beauty of detail. The name was given by Rickman to signify that in this style, decoration and ornament became more essentially a part of the style, entering more into the construction and not merely applied. Parker. In general, the proportions are lower and broader than in the early English style. Plan. The three stories continue in the principal parts of early buildings, as in the Transitional Angel Choir of Lincoln, and in such cases the Triforium is much enriched, its arches being divided and subdivided and ornamented with tracery, crockets, bosses, and foliage cusps. In the middle and later years of the century, the Triforium is compressed into a mere gallery, as at York, where it is but thirteen feet high, or else becomes simply an enriched arcade or a band of pierced stonework running at the base of the lofty clerestory. The clerestory itself is wide and ample, often glazed its entire width and height. Splendid towers, lofty spires, and elaborately traceried windows appear. Arches, usually equilateral, but the drop arch also used, and the ogee occurs prominently, for the first time, in the decorative features of arcades, niches, and monuments, but rarely in the principal divisions of the building. Arched canopies, richly ornamented with crockets and finials of foliage and animals. Moldings, no longer alternate rounds and hollows, but arranged in groups, which have been called orders, by Freeman, often separated from each other by hollows. Great rounds or roll moldings prevail, the convex being a characteristic of the decorated style, Paley, but these heavy rounds usually diversified by small moldings called fillets, sometimes two or three inches wide, on the face of the large roll, and the large rounds are grouped with smaller ones or with clusters of fillets. Piers, among the most beautiful features of this style, and their perfect symmetry and elegance not exceeded at any period. Usually a fine symmetrical cluster of well-proportioned round shafts arranged diamond-wise, the shafts being of somewhat larger diameter than in the preceding or the following periods, and more imposing in effect. The symmetry and harmonious effect of these exquisitely beautiful groups further increased by the orderly arrangement whereby each shaft supports a group or order of arch mouldings. Also, the clusters or shafts so disposed around the central column that two, three, or five columns appear on each face of the diamond, each angle shaft, of course, counting on two sides. Exeter nave furnishes a fine example of this arrangement. The space between the clustering columns sometimes filleted or else fitted with a nook shaft. The latter is either rounded or occasionally, as at Ely and Wells, has a sharp edge and is called keel-shaped. Capitals in early work preserve the early English outline, and when foliage is used, it springs from the necking, as in the preceding period. Vida, the Angel Choir. 
but with the development of the style the foliage loses its conventional character and natural forms as ivy oak maple fern and vine are used this foliage no longer springs from the necking but assumes a wreath-like shape encircling the capital usually a vacant hollow space left between the necking of the capital and the foliage reef increases the apparent projection of the latter great variety of design in the foliage capitals rarely two alike a roll moulding sometimes appears on the underside of the round abacus sometimes in a compound pier the abacus is continuous for the entire cluster of shafts and the foliage of the different capitals or its mouldings are similarly united as in the lady chapel of wells foliage in general exquisitely wrought deeply undercut and so carefully imitated from the original that the veins are sometimes found carved on the undersides of the leaves as in subtle chapter house where they are concealed from view and always have been capitals even in rich examples as at exeter often simply moulded with no ornament a fine typical series of decorated foliage capitals is to be found in the choir of carlisle where not only foliage but sculptured groups representing the labors of the year are seen bases increasingly prominent differing from those of the last period and having a much higher plinth and in place of the deep water mould the mouldings have a decided downward and outward slope the general shape of the plinth is diamond or lozenge to correspond with the pier clusters but sometimes an octagonal or hexagonal outline appears in early examples and in the angel choir a low plinth with bold rounds and hollows is found window tracery the most prominent feature of the style now for the first time developed into a striking feature of the interior is elaborate and highly ornamental windows themselves large broad well proportioned and divided by mullions into several lights often in large facades seven or nine mullions branching at the head of the window arch into tracery of various flowing and geometrical designs including circles trefoils quatrefoils diamonds etc the geometrical forms being more popular in england the flowing outlines in france where tracery of this period is termed a flamboyant variety a prominent characteristic of this style especially in the tracery no two consecutive windows in the richest examples having the same design they are however often arranged in pairs across the church as at exeter each succeeding pair showing a different design transoms rarely seen rose windows still used and often very rich clearestory windows occasionally in the shape of a spherical triangle windows in spires more frequent than formerly or at a later period vaulting an elaborate feature of the style transverse and diagonal ribs still used forming the basis of the vaulting system but to these is now added a longitudinal ridge rib and also intermediate ribs and late in the style the short liane rib 
these forming by their numerous intersections a series of reticulations which doubtless suggested the fan-work of the later gothic the increased number of vaulting ribs springing from the head of each shaft produces the effect of a great sheaf of filleted stone adding much to the rich effect of the interior Corbels, often much elongated, sometimes cone-shaped, as at Litchfield and Exeter, often composed of masses of richly sculptured foliage with birds and insects introduced. Bosses, very large, numerous, and elaborately carved, often so heavy that they suggest nothing so much as great hornet's nests. Foliage and heraldic devices and emblems appear on these bosses doorways not so deeply recessed as in the last century but of nearly equal size less frequently double even when of generous proportions often flanked by buttresses set with rich canopied niches and surmounted by ornate ogee arched canopies ornament profusely used and differs from that of the preceding and following periods in that it could be omitted without destroying the design of the building while in the perpendicular style for example the ornament as in the case of panels forms a part of the structure itself Rickman foliage and flowers and in general natural forms are everywhere used in capitals cornices spandrels and mouldings the oak leaf with or without acorns very popular also ivy hazel fern vine with fruit and tendrils mistletoe and other well-known forms the leaves are luxuriously expanded gracefully disposed and sculptured with great boldness and freedom they are sufficiently distinct from the foliage of the succeeding style which though frequently most elaborate has still in general a certain formality of outline which renders it very inferior in grace and beauty to the decorated the ball flower in england and on the continent very prominent and in england as characteristic of the ornament of this century as was the violette or dog-tooth of the preceding period elaborately carved niches with or without figures having ogee canopies used in great profusion on walls towers tombs sedilia choir stalls screens and arcades so complex and beautiful that they usurp the interest which should be retained for the statues they enshrine crockets and finials elaborate and freely used often in the shape of curled oak leaves wall arcades very ornate diaper work in use cornices often have a hollow moulding set with flowers heads or shields or a combination of these forms or else they are set with a vine having fruit and tendrils exterior as rich as the interior buttresses in many richly ornamented stages having triangular heads with beautiful pinnacles elaborately finished with crockets and finials at the angles of a building usually set diagonally canopied niches containing figures often set in one or more stages of the buttresses parapets battlemented or else pierced with foiled figures or wrought in a wavy line plain battlements have small intervals or embrasures noble towers and lofty spires a prominent characteristic 
belfry windows filled with tracery but not glazed in norwich cathedrals these windows are round and called sound holes they furnish air to the ringers and permit the escape of sound the decorated style is sometimes called the edwardian since it was introduced in the time of edward i came to perfection in the reign of edward ii and was in general use throughout the long reign of edward iii interesting and important examples of this style are very numerous and include the knaves of exeter and of york the chapter house of lichfield the choir of bristol the choir and octagon of ely the presbytery of york and the chapter house of wells perpendicular thirteen seventy seven to fourteen eighty three or including the tudor to fifteen forty six so called by rickman on account of the frequent use of vertical lines in window tracery panelling and ornament producing an effect of height it is wholly english in its origin and development the decorated style continuing in use on the continent at the same time while it is the least interesting and beautiful of all the gothic styles yet when employed in a large nave as at winchester and canterbury it is very effective the hard-edged mouldings limit the effects of light and shade so prominent heretofore while the multiplicity of ornament often shallow and coarsely wrought tend to weaken the effect of line even in monuments placed low where they readily meet the eye coarse and shallow workmanship often appears plan the clearest story is exaggerated in this style while the triforium becomes unimportant and is often entirely lost sight of in the downward extension of the clearest story at times the place of the former is occupied by a low traceried gallery running at the base of the clearest story as in winchester nave where the norman nave was remodelled in the perpendicular style by dividing the triforium in two so that one half increased the height of the main arcade and the other half similarly increased the height of the clearest story subordinate parts are in general smaller and more numerous than in the previous gothic styles producing an effect of delicacy bordering on weakness arches low and wide at first equilateral but towards the close of the period the four-centred arch or depressed tudor became common the ogee still employed for canopies and small arcades the relative proportions between arches and piers in the main arcade often unsatisfactory the low broad arches having a high-shouldered appearance on the clusters of slender shafts mouldings coarse square-edged and often continuous from base to base especially in the soffit piers lengthened in plan from north to south and thinner from east to west the vaulting shafts being added to the front and rear faces of the groups the ground plan either a square or a parallelogram having angles fluted or else cut out in a bold hollow and on each flat face a shaft semicylindrical or else three-quarters round sometimes the shafts surrounding the central column are reduced to small size and the central one made bold and prominent shafts always engaged capitals generally moulded but occasionally rich work of shallow conventional foliage figures and especially angels bearing shields is seen bases more important than at any other period having a lofty plinth 
often polygonal in shape and of slender sometimes much too slender proportions vaulting more elaborate than at any other period ceilings of low pitch sometimes flat and the surface well covered with ribs the transverse and diagonal ribs usually retained but numerous intermediate ribs introduced forming a variety of kite-shaped fan-shaped and other figures with or without pendants eventually becoming the ornate fan-traceried ceiling timber roofs used often handsomely carved and supported by wooden hammer beams bosses elaborate often carved to represent single figures and groups emblems heraldic shields etc in great variety as in the presbytery at winchester and the cloisters of canterbury window tracery a prominent feature of this style and one by which it is easily distinguished mullions usually extending upward from base to apex of the window arch forming a series of rectangular panels at the head well adapted to the small single figures so much used in window heads at this period windows divided horizontally by transoms which are often battlemented or pierced these large windows so freely used that the effect is often that of a wall of glass separated by narrow bars of stone variety produced by employing heavy or principal mullions alternately with subordinate or inferior mullions in late work the entire space between buttresses is often occupied by the window arch doors usually square-headed over an arch having ornamental spandrels ornaments profusely used especially panelling which is one of the characteristic features of the style also canopied niches with beautiful traceried vaults foliated arches having ornamental cusps and buttresses with rich crockets and finials a square four-petal flower suggesting a strawberry leaf probably a modification of the fleur-de-lis and called the tudor flower or rose is freely used set in the hollow moulding of a cornice or in the jams of doors and windows usually coarsely carved and effective at a distance but less beautiful than the dog-tooth or the ball-flower of the preceding periods stalls ornate with tabernacle work and foliage both natural and conventional employed especially in cornices which commonly are wrought with vine leaves fruit and tendrils the rose and strawberry leaf also used shields heraldic emblems the rose and portcullis especially in henry the seventh's time and grotesque animals small ascending and descending animals found in great profusion on screens and monuments stalls screens and sedilia very ornate with tabernacle work wall spaces often entirely covered over with panelling as in the transept at canterbury angels much used as corbels and set in the hollow moulds of cornices squareness of outline everywhere prevails bands of traceried stonework much used tombs very ornate and set in elaborate wall recesses or else form chantry chapels of very splendid tabernacle work exterior fine towers a prominent feature of the exterior as those of canterbury and gloucester often panelled and filled with traceried windows sound or air holes numerous in these towers pinnacles rich with crockets and finials more fine porches than in any other style parapets often embattled and either panelled or pierced in foiled designs 
variously divided sometimes the merlons and embrasures are of equal width again one is larger than the other coping of the parapet sometimes continuous sometimes it appears in stout sections at the top of the merlons but does not surround them buttresses lofty of bold projection in several stages often elaborately panelled and having niches containing figures flying buttresses freely used and often pierced with tracery as at winchester prominent examples of this style are numerous and it is often imitated successfully in modern times henry the seventh chapel at westminster abbey a late example the cloister choir and transept of gloucester which is said by freeman to be a home of the perpendicular style and there first employed the knaves of winchester and canterbury and the choir of york may also be named perpendicular windows have been inserted in many cathedrals of much earlier date on account of the growing demand for stained glass as an enrichment End of section three.